again and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbit. Today, Kurt and I are going to discuss another question from Jesus. We've gone through a few of these now. The question from Jesus that we'll look at today is, why are you afraid or why are you so afraid? Uh, Jesus will say this to his disciples in the boat. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, basically, so we can have the context within the story and within the question that's asked, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they begin to cross over to the other side towards Gadara. A powerful storm rises up on the sea, and Jesus has fallen asleep in the stern of the boat. That's recorded for us in Mark. Luke 8 and verse 23 tells us that the boat was filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. Matthew tells us that the boat was covered with waves. Things get so bad on the sea that the disciples wake Jesus up and say, Master, save us. We are perishing. Mark says, do you not care that we are perishing? And so then the question, after Jesus calms the wind and the waves, the question is phrased, Matthew 8, 26, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Mark 4 and verse 40, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's scary. And then hmm. Luke 8 and verse 25, he just simply says, where is your faith? And so that is the question. Why are you afraid? Hmm. And that, uh, that's a question, especially I think over the last two years, it's really been driven home to a lot of Christians. We've been through some very unusual times. We're, we've lived through a time where the government has taken some... Uh, some steps that are very unusual to us, restricting movement and what have you. As we look around in the world today, there just seems to be instability and problem on top of problem. All we hear about is pending food shortages, looming economic crises, there's war in Europe, and it just goes on and on and on. Violence at home and the way the government might be acting in our as we perceive it. And so... The waters are troubled. Hmm. We're, we're on stormy seas right now. And uh, I'm really drawn, especially to Mark's account of this, where initially the disciples wake Jesus up and say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Um, I was thinking about this uh, this morning that we might look at this and say, Man, he, why don't these disciples get it? They've been watching Jesus perform miracles now for some time, numerous powerful miracles. He's with them in the boat, and yet now they're concerned that they're going to drown in the storm. Well, a couple things. If you're a fisherman that lives on the Sea of Galilee, you have learned in your life to respect and fear the sudden storms that can come down mm -hmm. out of the mountains on the lake. They can be very sudden and overwhelming. So you have this kind of inbred reaction over your lifetime when you see these storms develop in Galilee. And secondly, you know, they've been raised all their lives being taught by the rabbis a certain perception of the coming Messiah. And Jesus is not really fitting that picture. And so I think you know, this is my own personal observation, that through their ministry with Jesus and watching and learning from him, they're constantly trying to figure out, you know, we've, 
been taught all our lives this one way. And yeah, he's doing a lot of things, but it's just not fitting. And of course, as they grow closer to Jesus and, and learn to love him more, when he starts saying things like, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and be handed over to the Gentiles and be killed and the third day I'll rise. That's, I, and I've experienced, you get an emotional block where you don't even hear what's being said. You know there are words being spoken, but when you go back and, you know, oh yeah, what were they saying? I don't remember because I, I didn't hear them. I didn't understand. I wasn't even, mentally was just blocking it out. So I try not to be hard on the disciples uh, because if I didn't have the 2020 hindsight that we have now from the revelation that God has given us, the complete revelation, I would probably be doing the same thing. This boat is bouncing and rocking all over the place. The waves are coming completely over the boat and filling it up. And Jesus is over there asleep. <laughs> Master, we're sinking. Do something. Yeah, that would, you know, that's a that's a reaction that we would expect. So, but still, it's strong because Jesus said in verse thirty-five of the previous chapter, "Let us cross over to the other side." So that's his goal, and now they're concerned that they're not going to reach the goal. Right, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Well, of course Jesus cares, and he gets up and he takes something about it, does something about it. And then the question that we're dealing with today, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Yeah. Or you have little faith, as, as Luke puts it. And you make a great point with, you know, as we look at it from our perspective, because we know how this ends. We've read Mark chapter 4 and chapter mm -hmm. 5, read Matthew and Luke chapter 8. They have not read this chapter. They have <laughs> right. So they, there's a lot they don't know that you and I take for granted. Mm -hmm. and, and if I put myself in this scene with them, even getting into the boat, I'm going to be telling them, hey, man, this is going to be awesome. Let, you know, let's, I can't yeah. wait. And then, I, and then when the storm the comes, yeah, then I'm like, you know, like I'm surfing out there laughing and <laughs> saying, bring it on, you know. And they're saying, we're going to die. And I'll say, no, let's let it ride, boys. Let's let it ride. And they'll be like, you're crazy. Yeah. Because I've seen the end of it. I know what right. Jesus is going to do. The problem is is that the chapters in our life has not been read by us until they come to pass. So the very same challenge that's before them is before us in our times of trouble, that we can't be fearful to the degree that we don't believe or have faith. They're tied together by Jesus. He says, mm -hmm. where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? Those two are the same together as it concerns Jesus and as it concerns God. And so he's rebuking them. And there's something else that's really interesting that happens here. Luke expounds on it probably the best. But uh, it says the disciples marveled that they were dreadfully afraid after the wind and the seas calm. Yeah. So they're, they're taken to another level of fear. Yeah. And he's asking them about their what faith. What manner of man is this? Yeah, that's it's, right. Who is this guy? So they say, who can this be? Yeah. Then when they step off in Gadara and they meet the, the man who's demon-possessed, the first thing the demon-possessed man says, what do I have to do with you, O son of the Most High God? So, so his disciples don't yeah. know who he is. They're getting hit. And the demon-possessed <laughs> demon guy. Does. Yeah, he goes, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> So again, all, yes. all of these things are laid out so the disciples, there's got to be these moments where they go, oh, you know, 
this man is demon possessed and he's crying out that this is the son of the most high God. And we just saw what he did on the water. Mm -hmm. So these are all learning experiences for them. And the Lord is bringing them along patiently and faithfully and challenging them when they need to be challenged. But one of the biggest realities for us is that there's going to be storms in our life. And I would encourage Christians because Christians sometimes think to themselves, um, you know, I've been faithful. I've given up all the things God's told me to turn away from, and I'm, I'm doing all that I can. And it seems like sometimes that things get harder. And we want to tie those two things together. Why, why are you doing this to me mm -hmm. since I've joined you and committed my, my life to you? I'm really doing this, and now I'm really being hurt, and you're aware of it. So why? Yeah. And, and I want people to, to know as we look at the storm that the disciples went into that these dis disciples are in this storm because they obeyed Jesus. He said, let us cross over to the other side. Now they are in the moment, they are in his perfect will. And at the same time, they're in great danger. Like you pointed out, they're fishermen. They know what danger is on the water. They are panicking to the point where now mariners are waking up a carpenter to be saved. You know, they, they think they are going to die. There is no doubt about it. And, and so for us, it's not directly tied to, oh, I've been a faithful servant, so I shouldn't suffer these things. Mm. It, is, it has to be something different for us that, no, I follow the will of God and the word of God, and therefore I know I'm not alone. Isn't that the conclusion that we should come to? Absolutely. Uh, the fact that Jesus is with them, should they sh we would hope that they would see that there's no reason to be afraid. The Lord is with us. Well, that's the same for us. We, we are vulnerable to asking this question, too. Like in the scenario you just described, we could say, Lord, don't you care? Yeah. I'm struggling down here. What, why are you doing this to me? Well, why did he do what he did with Job? <laughs> he allowed that to happen. And it was to purify him. You know, yes, Jesus never said being a Christian was you know, taking a taxi to Easy Street. It's going to be hard. That's right. There are going to be costs. He said, count the cost. Take up your cross. And take your, your cross, right. Yeah. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be suffering. But like you pointed out, the important perspective is I'm not in here alone. Jesus is in the boat with me as I'm going through this storm. And if he's with me, it'll be okay. Exactly. He'll bring me through. I may not... Like you said, I, I haven't seen the concluding chapter yet. You know, there's too much wind and rain. I can't see what's going on up ahead. But it impresses me too that in, for example, Mark 4:38 says he arose and rebuked the wind of the, and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Yeah. So you go from this boisterous, huge storm that's Waves are overflowing the boat. It's filling up. Jesus says, peace, be still. It instantly is my understanding of this. Right. that They're rocking and, you know, flying over these waves. And all of a sudden, no wind, no waves, no water splashing <laughs> you in the face, no spray or anything. It's just, it's calm as can be. And... It's no surprise then, is it says they, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Completely obey and him. And obey him completely, that's yeah. right. So 
you know, we're, we may be going through a struggle, a stormy time in life where there won't be this instantaneous transition from, wow, that was a rough time, but today, whew, everything is just perfect. <laughs> but the Lord is going to work. He's going to work according to his will, and he'll bring us through the storm as long as we're willing to stay in the boat with him. That's right. That's, paradoxically, in the middle of the storm, that's the safest place to be. Exactly. That was the safest place to be, and yet they were so fearful. Man, that's, all that is so good. If physics will not allow waves to just stop. It takes hours for a sea to calm down after the storm has passed. It, it, it settles down eventually, but as mm -hmm. you said, for that to instantly just shut down and, and be from what this night was just a few seconds ago to maybe a previous night when the sea was like glass. And you know they're just dripping from head to toe. There's evidence that there was a storm and they're looking around now and it is perfectly calm. It would blow our minds that, that he had the ability to do that. Yeah, I, I can personally relate to this, you know, on a physical level because I have been in typhoons at sea. Mm -hmm. I've been in storms. Uh, and even, it, it, like you say, even when, the, when you get out of the storm, of course, they don't stop instantaneously like they did with Jesus, but it, it takes a while for the sea to settle. Um, I've, I've never felt in danger in any of the storms as they were, so I, I don't relate to that. You had a better boat. Yeah, it was better and bigger and a little stronger. <laughs> it was made, made of steel and aluminum instead of wooden sails. Yeah. But, uh, but still, uh, when that ship is bouncing around and you go from weightlessness, as you're walking down a passageway, you go from weightlessness to feeling like you weigh 300 pounds because yeah. the ship is going up and down and you're reacting to that and the ship is creaking around you and you can hear the water slamming into the hull and if you go up where you can see things there's spray flying all over the place and it's it's pretty boisterous yeah uh you can see right away that i'm not really in control of this situation all i've got is this boat around me and if anything happens i'm gonna be struggling well they had their boat the advantage was Jesus was in it, as we've been saying. And that really is what ought to encourage us. Um, I, I think of Philippians chapter 4 a lot, where Paul tells us to let the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds. Um, and so windstorms and things like this attack, I, that's something that comes to my mind that maybe we can chat on a little bit in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, I do want to say to you, for, for me and you, obviously, but for anyone who may be listening from now on, you know, if anyone ever listens to the recording, uh, you know, if you're not in a storm of life today, then praise God mm -hmm. and then wait. Yeah. Right? Isn't that how storms work? There's three stages of a storm in our lives, and, and it's good for us to know this. I'm either heading into a storm or I'm dealing with one. Currently, I'm in the middle of a storm, or I'm coming out of one. And, and that really is the three stages of the storms of life. And, and that's just part of being on the earth. It's not perfect. It's not guaranteed, which is why it's so good to use the statement, let us cross over to the other side, terrible storm, they think they're going to die. And then, and then Mark chapter 5, verse 1 says, then they crossed over to the other side. Yeah. So if you just take the storm out 
It would be Jesus saying, let's cross over the other side. And then it says, they, they cross over there. the other side. Yeah. yeah. The problem is for us is that we want Jesus and, and God himself, the Father, to make things calm in this earth where, where evil reigns and all kinds of wickedness is going on. And that is not where his promise lies. His promise lies at the safety of the other side, getting through the life, being brought into his arms uh, for eternity. That's the promise. And so when you, when you focus on that which is actually promised and not put deals in his mouth, as it were, to say, well, I, my understanding was that my life would be better when I became a Christian. That's not what he tells us. As you said, to suffer for the cause of Christ is a, is a glorious thing for us. So it's, it's really the opposite. It's going to get harder. But again, we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Mm-hmm. We, we have uh, salvation that is, makes up who we are now, and, and it changes the way we see things. So, so the storms of life are coming and going. I saw a neat little phrase not too long ago. Uh, don't tell God how big your storm is, but tell the storm how big your God is. There you it's go. just a simple way yeah. to turn to flip it over on the storm and say, "You got nothing on me." Yeah, I already knew this was coming. You know, challenges and trouble. I already knew this was coming. I didn't know how, but now that you're here, you have nothing on me because I am standing with God. I'm standing with the Son of God, and that is a beautiful picture of someone who. Who has faith? And that's that little phrase that that saying that you just gave really helps you keep things in perspective. And I think that's what it's all about: keeping things in the right perspective. And we can let the things of this life distract us and cause us to lose focus on Jesus where it should be. And once that happens, we become like another time there was a storm on the lake. Jesus coming to the boat and Peter saying, Oh, Lord, if it's you, command me to walk to you on the water. <laughs> Come on. Well, he was doing great until he stopped looking at Jesus and saw the wind and the waves around him and became fearful. Yeah. He was distracted, and as soon as he was, he began to sink and had to call out to the Lord for help. And uh, if I can just go ahead to Philippians 4 for a minute. Sure. Um, to just encapsulate it, in verse 6 he says, Be anxious for nothing, and then do certain things in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So he says, Don't be anxious for anything. Let guard your heart and your mind so that you can know this peace. And then in verse 8, he kind of tells us how to accomplish that. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So, uh, just to maybe illustrate this, uh, the other night a, a dear sister made a comment to me. Uh, it was after one of our Bible classes, and she just came up and said, you know, one thing I realized I need to do is spend less time watching the news and more time reading the Word. <laughs> and I said, amen, sister. Yeah. 
And what she was saying is, all I get on the news is the bad stuff. Filled with fear. Yeah, it's, it's, this is, look what's happening over here and there, and this is coming for you. And you get anxious. So that distracts you. You start losing sight. You start losing the right perspective on things. And, and she had the solution. I'm going to be spending more time reading the Word. Well, that's going to encourage us to think on all these perfect things that Paul just said will enable the God of peace to be with us, and that peace will guard our hearts against anxiety. Right. So that's, that's I, I just said amen, sister. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Because a long time ago, I decided, just as an example, I gave up listening to talk shows on the radio. I don't watch the news anymore. Because even if they were saying things that are right and correct, I'm still getting all anxious about it. Yeah, look at what's going on over there. Man, that, come on, let's do some about it. Well, I can't really do much about it except for pray, which is, is fine. But why get all upset about those things? Why not spend more time thinking about what the Lord has done for me? That he's here with me and he's, he allows the storms because he knows that will strengthen me if I'm willing to go through them with him. But he'll bring me out on the other side. We'll get to the goal he's established. Yeah. So don't feed that anxiety. Uh, if you want to get over being anxious, then don't indulge in those things that will, will bring up and feed that anxiety. Because then you're just making the fight tougher for yourself. Just give it into the hands of the Lord and let him calm the sea. And uh, that peace will be with you. That's an amazing thing. And she's got it exactly right. Whatsoever things are pure, noble, lovely, mm -hmm. true, and you'll find all those things right here. Yeah, in that's God's where they're word. found. Yeah, and then you're not distracted by those things that make everyone anxious, and you're focused on the Word of God. And so the only the only thing someone could say to her is, "Well, now you're not in the know. You know, now you don't know what happened last week in politics or whatever the yeah whatever the case may be." But one she one thing she traded for that was the peace of God. Yeah, because she the knowledge the knowledge of the and grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's I'll trade that in any time over. Any news anchor or right. you know, we have to. breaking news broadcast. That's right. Because yeah. they'll keep coming as long as we have the TV on. Oh, yeah. So the reality of storms, as far as this world goes, is that there's Christians and non-Christians go through them. No, no one is immune mm -hmm. to the storms of life. The beautiful thing about the Christian who loves the Lord and who has faith and is you know building on that faith is that when the storm comes, we know that we are not alone. And that, that goes back to the disciples that the one thing they missed in all of that, was it dangerous? Yes. You know, are, are they experienced men on the water? Yes. Do they know when they're about to die? Yes, they do. Um, they, they had reason to be concerned. The one thing that changes all of that is who's with them, which you pointed out. Jesus mm -hmm. was with them in the boat. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the words of Jesus Christ to his disciples, and he means what he says. So despite the disparity we may feel in any given moment, he will never leave. So even if we were put to death on this earth in faith, that he's never left us. As soon as we pass from this life, we are with him 
We are with the Lord. And, and that is a promise that comes from him, and it cannot be broken by, by men or by us or by pestilence or anything else. So it has to be the heart of, of all of this is just the faith in the Lord that he will not leave us. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Challenged in every way on, on the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and he is a high priest who's not going to leave us, and he can sympathize. He does sympathize with our weaknesses, which is such a beautiful picture of a God who loves us more than we fully understand. Yeah, it's, you know, as you were quoting the promise of, of Jesus there, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, it just crossed my mind, you know, that it, there is no such thing as a broken promise from God. No. Nope. You'd never read of one. He, he, he has brought to pass every single thing that he's promised. The only one that's waiting to be fulfilled is the return of his son. Mm-hmm. But since he's always done everything else he would say, he, that he said he would do, then I have no doubt at all that that's going to occur. It's already done. Yeah, as, as far as God, if he said it, it's done. It's May done. not have happened yet, but it's a reality. It's still done. So hold on to that promise. Uh, Jesus will not leave us. He's not going to say, wow, the storm's pretty bad in this boat. I'm out of here and transport himself to the shore and leave you hanging. Yeah, (laughs) he's going to be there because he's the one who can handle the storm. And we just need to put ourselves in his his hands. So my my question is to anyone who might be listening, is there something that's agitating you, that's causing you to be anxious right now? If so, why? Stop and think, why am I anxious about this thing? Now, it may be a very serious problem. Yeah. It may be you've received words that uh, a loved one is very ill or has had an accident and they're going to die, or you've become ill and the doctor says, you know, you've only got about six months now, or whatever it might be. Uh, somehow you lost your entire savings. Whatever the storm might be, what, you know, think of a million things. Just remember that Jesus is in the boat with us. And as long as we're together, we're going to reach that destination. Amen. We have to be holding fast to him. Uh, we walk with him in faith, and, and we can evaluate that as well. Um, something I've always thought about looking at this storm in the sea, that you know, just even as a kid reading it, how do you sleep through a storm that, <laughs> that men, who, men of the sea are terrified? And I think of... The greater question is, because of the way it's laid out, is when did he wake up? Mm. Yeah, he's. that has always intrigued me, that he is absolutely asleep in this storm. And he, it seems like, would have slept through it <laughs> yeah. if the disciples hadn't come. Master, we're perishing. Yeah. Do something. And... The only thing I can, you know, someone might come up with the glib answer, well, he's the son of God, so he doesn't have to worry about anything. Well, Jesus was capable of drowning, too. He is a man. But he was just supremely confident right. in the Lord, in his Father. Right. He was with his Father. They were together. He knew he had a goal to reach. He had a job to do. And that hadn't been done yet. And, and it's not finished. So he, he's got nothing to worry about. There's a, he knows what he needs to accomplish. 
and he will work to accomplish that. And as you just said, it's not done yet. So might be concerned. That's right. He's in control. And he's called the author and finisher of our faith. Mm -hmm. And so can he sleep during a raging storm? Yeah. Because as you said, he truly is not concerned. Now, it may be a little unsettling to be flopping back and forth inside the stern of a boat. Yes. Probably water (laughs) on him because the boat's filling up with water. And and so none of that wakes him up. And, And what wakes him up is the voice of the voices of the ones that he loves. And that's, that's comforting to me as well, that, you know, does he hear me, does he care? That we have to be reminded that the storm that is tossing us around is, is no concern to him as far as what is possible, what's possible for it to do. Mm-hmm. None of that moves him one inch, but it is the cry of his beloved that he responds to and, and, and wakes up in this sense. You know, he, he never sleeps nor slumbers, but as an earthly man, he needed sleep, and he was getting yeah. it. And I think that's why he was so asleep. He's He's been doing a lot of work that's right. uh, up until this point, probably physically exhausted, and he is just asleep. Yeah. Someone says, well, how can you sleep through a storm? Well, again, I can relate. When we were going through typhoons that lasted three days in the ocean, you don't get much sleep because the ship's rolling and it's pitching and you're being tossed around. You don't sleep a whole lot. But eventually, somebody's asleep, or, yeah. or you, you just you, pass out. You'll nod out, yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll, but then the boat will wake, or the storm will wake you up, you know, the movement. <laughs> Jesus was unconcerned. Yeah. That's the thing. And, but now, of course, the beautiful thing is he's not asleep. He's right. constantly aware of our needs and what, what's going on with us. He's ever vigilant, so he's always there. That's right. And completely aware of everything that's going on. And he hears your voice. Yes. And we need to remember that. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'd like to read one other thing because I'm thinking about the apostles, these disciples in the boat. As you said, as they were taught in the synagogues from a young age, they knew the Bible thoroughly. It was part of their livelihood. That's how they they grew up. Um, So these things were given to them at some point. And it's just interesting because it's the same for us. We read Bible passages, we know them, some of them we've memorized, and then when something scary comes, they just fly out of our mind. <laughs> and so we can't do that. That's when we need them the most. So I'm just going to read from Psalm 107. And again, that the disciples would know this when they say, who can this be? Psalm 107 and verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Mm. Oh, that the men, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Mm. That passage is yeah, one that they've studied and known from Psalm 107, that this is who God is. They cry out to the Lord. It's amazing to see that in, in Psalm 107 and Jesus being the fulfillment of that in a time of great disparity and fear. Mm-hmm. And we will be troubled. You can't respond to troubling times with just a flippant attitude. There will be times when we need to cry out. 
So do just that. Cry out to the one who can bring you through the storm. Exactly. He'll hear and he'll be there. That's exactly right. Amen. Well, shall we get trivial? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, I have two questions for you that have been waiting for you all day. Uh-oh. And I know you have two for me and for the rest of the world. Trivia. Sweet trivia. You mind if I go first? Sure, go ahead. Okay. When the Lord brought the woman to Adam, Adam named her Eve gave her the name Eve. What does her name mean? Oh boy. Hmm. You got me on that one. I cannot remember. It, 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 I want to say something along the lines of mother of humanity or something along those lines, but I can't remember. Perfectly. Boy, that's that's close enough for me. Genesis three twenty says he called her name Eve, because she was the, the mother, mother of, of all living. living. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Because <laughs> Eve, the word makes me think of sun going down. That's not. That has nothing yeah. to do with it. Well, I was thinking of his name, Adam, and then Eve. Oh man. <laughs> but that passage should have come to me. She's the mother of all living. And so. Yeah. Genesis three twenty. All righty. Here's my first one then. Um, a lot of times we read in the scriptures where God changes somebody's name. And we read that he changed uh, Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. What's the significance of that name change? <laughs> God never changes someone's name just lightly. There's a lesson there. So is the question I need to know the, the definition of both names? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Just the reason that it was changed. Yeah. Uh, Why change his name to Abraham? My mind and what I can remember is telling me that Abraham means the father of all nations. Right. Or all okay. peoples. Father of a multitude. Yeah. Of a multitude. So, so same thought. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's tied to the very promise that God gave to him. Exactly. That, that he would be, I mean, his seed would be. Yeah. This was given to him before uh, Isaac was born. Right. Uh, just as the promise is being given. And so here you have this individual who's going to have a son, finally, in his late life, and God calls him father of a multitude. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. <laughs> it sure does. God says, this is what it's going to be. And so he gives him a name that states the fact. And in fact, uh, you mentioned the definitions. Abram means exalted father. Okay. And Abraham, is father of a multitude, and that's found in Genesis 17:5. And immediately following is the promise of the of of Isaac being born. Man, that is so cool. And like you said, when God makes a promise, He keeps it. He swore to Abraham because He could swear by no one greater. He swore by Himself. Yep. And, and innumerable multitude. I mean, is that true? Yes, oh, absolutely. Not only with the, the nation of the Jews, but those of us who have now obeyed yeah. Christ, obeyed Galatians God. Galatians 3, if we've been baptized into Christ, then we are children of Abraham. That's right. You are the so seed he, of Abraham. He truly does have an innumerable 
multitude. Yeah, and you know, Abraham coming to his into the house and saying, Well, my name's been changed. She's like, Well, what are we calling you now? <laughs> Abraham. She just laughed out loud. Say what? <laughs> we have no children. Yeah. yeah. I know, honey, but How I'm are you the father of a multitude of what? So the, the challenge of the faith is there too. That you yeah. start calling yourself Abraham while it stands to be absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen overnight. No, it didn't. He had, he had to wait one a long. son. Yeah. yeah, one son, and that son had to grow up, and then his son had children, and God just worked through the natural process to bring that promise to pass. And then, as we've been mentioning, ultimately in the church. Yeah. That every and Christian is a child of Abraham, and he is all nations. He's our father, as far as an earthly. It's kind of interesting. He's an earthly father of a spiritual nation. So yeah, that's God right. works wonders. He sure does. <clears throat> okay, so, number two for you. King David had several wives. Do you agree? I agree. Okay, that's part one. Part two <laughs> is who was his first wife? Michael, the daughter of Saul. Very good. And how did he get her? He brought, uh, he fulfilled uh, Saul's request for 104 skins of the Philistines. That's right. So he proved himself in battle. Showed how much he wanted to have her for a wife, too. Yeah, I go guess out so. And, and go out with combat, engage in combat with the the hereditary enemy of the, of the Israelites. Yep. Those nasty Philistines over there. Michael was awarded to David <clears throat> yeah. for that very reason. She should have been his wife before that because the promise of whoever takes Goliath yeah, was right. going to get a daughter of the king and be tax-free. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see how Saul worked. But yeah. Anyway, very good. Michael. And uh, where is that found in the scripture? 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 26 through 27. All righty. Here is my second and last question of the day. Okay. Um. How long did it take Solomon to build the temple in Jerusalem? How long How long did it take for completion? I think you've asked me this before. Really? Yes. Either that or I'm having deja vu big time. Hmm. Now, okay. I'm, okay, I'm thinking about the Jews are saying to, to Jesus, it took 46 years. That wasn't Solomon. That's building. Herod's temple. Okay, so. And the, that's the, the beautification and construction of the temple grounds, not the temple itself. Okay. So this is the first temple under Solomon. So my deja vu memory is telling me seven years. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. You are correct. Okay. First Kings 638. Uh, he began the project with all of the uh, material and things that David had accrued yep. to build that. Uh, but the construction was finished in seven years. What a great time for the nation, yep. too. That's First Kings 638. First and I've always loved two chapters later, uh, chapter 8 of First Kings, that great prayer of dedication that Solomon gave at the temple. Oh, it's, it was a tremendous prayer. Learn sure a lot was. from it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, good. We did okay today. Yeah. I feel bat, better than I used to. a thousand. <laughs> We're easing up on each other. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes to get a good grade. Mm. Um, we do hope and pray, as, as we always mention, at the conclusion of our podcast that you've been blessed and encouraged in this study and, and to, to realize the, you know with the, the reality of storms is that it is a part of this life we, this is earth this is not heaven and, and we we do have storms in our life and yet there is someone to turn to and just not only is it 
knowing that Christ is there, as, as great as that is. But as a, as a believer and someone who's faithful to the Lord, God has put in front of us fleshly brethren that can stand with us as well and hold us up. And that's also part of his plan. So, you know, be connected to the body of Christ. Uh, participate in that. If someone is weeping, weep with them. And, and when it's our turn to come into difficulty and to weep, to know that the, the congregation would gather around us and, and weep with us. Um, going through that together because it's the will of God is a, is a beautiful picture of what he's done for us. Don't abandon that or t- make light of it. Uh, take advantage of all of those beautiful things that are given to us by the word of God. We hope and pray this has been an encouragement to you and that you have a blessed day and a blessed week.